Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, welcome to the program, the 12th of uh, September. And uh, I don't know, guys. You know, it's funny how we know the drill now as a hurricane approaches. I... I actually get, come on, get you know, get it over with already. There's something so awful about watching something, and it seems so slow approaching. Um, and think of the days when there wasn't any way to know that such a monster was coming. Uh, just go back a, a hundred years, a few hundred years, when, you know, the weather just came upon you. Uh, so the ability to hunker down, to uh, prepare in any way, was was absent. Um, in, in some respects, <laughs> ignorance was bliss, uh, but uh, obviously this is better. Those, the satellite photos of, of this storm are so, so awesome. Again, uh, nature... Uh, makes us and should make us feel small, uh, uh, should knock us down a peg or, or two, you know, for, for all of what we tell ourselves is our extraordinary brilliance. Uh, I, I think nature has a way of, uh, of rather harshly correcting um, that self-serving assessment. Um, I am, uh, I am continually uh, seeing evidence that the species of which I am one uh, is by far, and I don't know. I mean, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to argue the point with somebody, but I, I do think. Uh, I've rarely felt more certain of anything in my life that we, homo sapiens, uh, we are the most destructive force on the planet other than, and even I, other than, you know, natural uh, occurrence like a hurricane or a tornado, an earthquake, a flood. Um, I don't think anybody, any animal, does more damage than us. And we can even, I think, let in into the running uh, viruses, <laughs> bacteria, insects, Put every living thing into the mix. Which one? Which one is the most destructive for sure? And then I could get more subjective. Vile for another. And I, I, I do mean that. It's awful to... At, this stage in the game in my life to reach the conclusion that I am part of this 
awful, awful force. Yes, I know. We are capable of wondrous things as well. Individuals of us are. But the overwhelming uh, impact of humans on this planet is destructive. I don't see how you can see it any other way. The planet would have been better off without us. Without a doubt, every other species would be better off without us. So in our own telling of the creation story, that we were the last great invention of the creator, we were the cherry on top of his wondrous uh, creation. Obviously, self-serving as hell, and absolutely incorrect. We are endowed with more tools than most animals, than most anybody else. We are more complex, that is true. We are not in any way better. I really do find, I, I mean, I'm thinking of like when Jonathan Swift, right, wrote Gulliver's Travels. I mean, it, it, it's a book of uh, that that shows his revulsion <laughs> about humanity, and I I see I see what he sees now. I I I've never been, as I said, more certain. I'm sorry to start this on such a negative note, but I find myself constantly saying things like, um, "Well, yeah." We've done it again. We have, by our own actions, our, our greed, we have despoiled this jewel of an earth. We have wiped out so many other wondrous animals and birds, insects, the fish of the sea. We are insatiable. And and we can't be stopped. I mean, we we can't. No, nothing can stop us. Our 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 man-made governments attempt to rein in the worst of uh, human impulses, but uh, so yeah, I know we can make extraordinary music and write beautiful books and create art, we can be heroic and gentle and loving and kind, but not enough of us and not enough of the time. I think just overwhelmingly we are the most destructive force in world history. And uh, You know, I walk around a lot feeling guilty, feeling like I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I, I, I you know, see any black person, brown person, and I feel like Jesus. I'm sorry. 
If I were a heterosexual white male, I wouldn't even get out of bed anymore. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter. Black, white, purple, orange, humanity is not good. At least what we have, those of us who have ascended to positions of the most power, have created appalling, appalling conditions. And I was thinking a case in point. So as this uh, this extraordinary and 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 from a satellite, beautiful, this extraordinary, beautiful, roiling monster, Florence heading toward uh, our shore. Um, has gained in in all likelihood in power. Uh, because of, again, our doing, global warming, having fed the extreme weather that we all now see constantly, summer, autumn, spring, and fall, something's changed, something's different, and we know that our years of befouling our own nest has an impact. And it has an impact on huge natural forces beyond our control. And at this time when this huge storm comes toward us, we learn that our government, the people we have put in positions of power, supposedly to safeguard us, are continuing to destroy the efforts of prior administrations to get a handle on our befouling of the environment, to try to stem it and maybe even pull it back. So yesterday when you maybe woke up and saw that the Trump administration, the Environmental Protection Agency, is now about to roll back the methane, methane regulations that power plants won't have to do what under the Obama administration they were charged to do to prevent more methane from getting into our environment. And industry officials reacted with joy. Yay, they said. That was so costly. Very burdensome for us. Very burdensome for us and our shareholders. And that's when I, I see things like that and I think, you're the worst. This is an awful animal incapable of seeing beyond their own immediate needs, and yet given the intellect to do that. You know, a dumb animal, you can understand, operating only on instinct. We're supposed to be able to be better, but we choose not to be. I don't know. This is the mood I'm in. I am sorry. 
in my religion, we are in an introspective time and uh, as a new year begins. And um, I'm supposed to tend to my own faults. But <laughs> believe me, they're myriad. But I do look at us. And um, I feel a great fear and a shame, a great shame. Is our caller still there? Caller, go ahead, please. Hello? Hello. Hello? Hello, hello? Hello? Yes, hello. Do you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you very faint. Not too good. Well, go ahead. We can hear you. I was just going to say, isn't it amazing, after this Bob Woodward book, how these cowards, if they said it, tell them you said it. Don't say, oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And, and in among them, generals, a general, which you know he said stuff. If you're such, you're the great general, you're a coward. You can't admit to what you said. I mean, come on. That whole thing, and the whole—I don't know how many—they showed us pictures and they denied everything. And if you said something, you say, "Yeah, I said it." Whether you get fired or whatever, cowards—that's all we have. That's all I have to say today. All right, thank you. In there. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, it uh, fits well into my assessment of uh, humanity right now. Good God. Um, uh, st you know, we're trying to solve uh, these audio problems we've been having, so I don't know if I'm, I hope you can all hear me okay. We're, we've been fiddling with things, and uh, sometimes when you fiddle, they actually get worse. Uh, I'm sorry to be such a such, such a bummer, but I I mean I I don't know what <laughs> I don't know how somebody could see it any other way. As I said, I would love some I would love to argue the point that if there is a creator, we are the greatest mistake. That the creator should have quit before. It got to us. We are, I think, as a whole, we are awful. All right. Uh, Roger writes, I've been listening to all the Woodward interviews. Think Trump will have less supporters now? <laughs> Roger, he says, I mean fewer. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Fewer is not only correct, but it is a better word. Also, as frightened as we may be of the nutcase in chief, how would you like to be living in South Korea? I like it when Mary calls, babe. Does she call me babe? She makes me smile. 
Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, South Korea. South Koreans must be feeling a little uncomfortable. There are. It is true. There. Um, I, I'm at any given time. It is probably better to be a loathsome human in certain geographical uh, areas of the globe than in others. And by and large, we are, we remain, we Americans, some of the luckiest, some of the luckiest. But, uh, so, um, I've, I, I've, I've done listening to, I, you know, do, do you actually go out and read the book? You know, when, when a book comes out now and they do this constant interviewing of, I feel like, yeah, so I should buy it and read it. I feel like I read it. And I know there's a lot of other stuff there, but they do cull the supposedly the best stuff. I'm not going to read it. First of all, I can't bear it. <laughs> I, can't. I do not want to immerse myself page after page in uh, the horror that has... Uh, that has now consumed our our white house. I really don't. Uh, the latest polling uh, does show that uh, Americans are becoming increasingly appalled. <laughs> like, Day one wasn't enough. Uh, are increasingly appalled by uh, this White House, and uh, I think there's little doubt that the Republicans will pay a huge price for it. Thank God. The latest Quinnipiac poll, uh, you know, they break things down into demographic groups, and. Let me give you some groups and the proportion of each that uh, says Trump is unfit to serve as president, which is essentially grounds for impeachment. People who uh, identify as independents, 53% say he is unfit. Women, 60% say he is unfit. I'm wincing because even though these numbers are big, I, I don't understand that they're not much bigger. White college graduates, 54% say Trump is unfit. White people who didn't go to college. And here's the first one that's going to be under 50%. 42% of non-college whites thinks he's unfit. People, young people of voting age, 18 to 34. And here's the biggest number we've seen so far. 63%. 18 to 34 say he is unfit. Then we get in my age bracket, 65 plus. 55% say unfit. Then we get 
to the smartest people in the room, and those are black people, and they say, 89% of them say, this guy in the White House, man, he is unfit. Hispanics, 58% say unfit. Democrats, 96% say, Jesus, unfit. Who am I leaving out here? Oh yeah, Republicans. What percentage of Republicans say that Donald Trump is unfit to be president? According to the most recent Quinnipiac poll, which is a legitimate pollster, it's unbelievable. Seven percent of Republicans say he is unfit. And that's why the Republican Party must literally be decimated. It must be destroyed. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. It must be destroyed. And the first, the first opportunity to kick the Republican Party in the teeth, of course, is coming up pretty soon. We're in September now, guys. That election is in November. And we have to take them out on a scale never before seen before. If you are not in some way working toward that, if you're not engaged in a get-out-the-vote effort, if you're not engaged in... talking uh, a wavering independent uh, over. Uh, we all have to do what we can. I am, uh, and as I say, I, I really think the Republican Party needs to be destroyed. They need to start over. Or they need to just go away. It was a nice run. It started so gloriously with Abraham Lincoln and look, look. A party that started with Abraham Lincoln. And you tell me if it should continue when it is now the party of Donald Trump. What book ends? So more and more people will take the Democrats and the uneducated out of the picture, but in every other category, a majority say this man is unfit. <laughs> Obviously. Now, I don't know how bad it's going to be in November, but as I said, I hope it is of epic proportion. I hope it makes Hurricane Florence look like a passing shower. I hope it obliterates 
a party that I frankly consider traitorous. I do. They're doing more to destroy this once great country than any force I have ever seen in my life. In my life. And we are now learning that the one of the worst traitors of them all, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, is starting to express concern that even he will be deposed. Concern that the Democrats conceivably, and this was considered absolute pie in the sky, conceivably could take control of the Senate. Now, if that happens, that will be extraordinary. But he's starting to freak out, and that's a real good sign. Their own polling, the Republican Party's polling in their gubernatorial and Senate races are scaring them. One of their leading strategists was willing to use the word potential shipwreck. Actually, he said effing shipwreck to describe what he feared might be coming for the party. I'll tell you, if Beto O'Rourke knocks off Ted Cruz, that is a potential harbinger of the beginning of the end for the Republicans. The Republican Party is diverting resources to Texas, trying to shore up Ted Cruz, who they, by the way, loathe, but he carries their colors. The most vulnerable uh, Democrat in the, who is running in this Senate uh, election uh, widely expected to be beaten is uh, jo Joe Donnelly, who uh, represents Indiana. How the hell Indiana ever elected a Democrat as senator, I don't get, but they did. And he has been considered, uh, without a doubt, one of the most vulnerable uh, Democratic incumbents. And lo and behold, he is now showing a slight lead. He hadn't been a slight lead over his Republicans. So these races that the Republicans had just assumed, had put in their pocket, Ted Cruz, Indiana, uh, they thought they'd knock off Joe Manchin. That's not looking good either. All of these places, they thought, we're, we're not only going to hold our control of the Senate, we're going to we're going to increase it. Losing the Senate was absolutely unthinkable to the Republicans. 
And I love seeing that they, they are now afraid it's a possibility. I don't want to overstate the case. A possibility. says here that less than two months now till the November 6th election, Republicans barely mention now Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, all states Trump won, as opportunities to knock out incumbent Democrats. They thought they'd knock out Tammy Baldwin, the only openly gay uh, the only lesbian uh, senator in in the Congress, I believe. Uh, she was considered very vulnerable. Ain't looking so vulnerable anymore. Sherrod Brown in Ohio, very liberal. And Ohio is not. He's now not looking particularly vulnerable. Our own Bob Casey, who is sort of a milk-toasty guy, and, you know, I don't know, all of a sudden, the Republicans are assuming he wins a re-election. And state after state, these were all the states that they were thinking they were going to possibly pick up and pad their razor-thin majority. Here's what McConnell told reporters in Louisville the other day. Here's the states he was mentioning. And he can't believe it. Arizona, Nevada, Tennessee, Montana, for God's sakes. I am talking, are these not red states? Uh-huh. Arizona, Nevada, Tennessee, Montana, North Dakota, Missouri, Indiana, West Virginia, Florida. He said all of them too close to call. And every one of them, a knife fight in an alley. I mean, just a brawl in every one of those places. Now, the fact that the Democrats would prevail in all of these states, and again, with that list, we'll throw in again Ohio and Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. If the Democrats were to prevail in all of those cases, I mean, there is no doubt we take and he didn't even say Texas in there. And we take the Senate back. We'll see. It was assumed that a guy like John Tester would go down. Because he's in a red state, a very, very red state, and he's a Democrat. It was assumed Manchin would go down. It was assumed... Pat uh, Baldwin, Tammy Baldwin in Wisconsin would go down. It was assumed Claire McCaskill could not hang on in Missouri. Assumed Joe Donnelly was toast in Indiana. The Arizona seat now whoosh, up, Jeff Flake's seat, totally up. Who knows? But the good news that I want to suggest today is that we're starting to see this possibility, and that's all it is, in what had been considered, I mean, uh, a fever dream of some idiot lunatic before. 
that the Democrats could actually take the Senate. So, just to reiterate, it is possible that Republicans could, in fact, still pad, you know, just... These are where few votes are going to count. I mean, these races, my sense is, we are going to see so many tight races. I'm willing to bet on election night there will be races, big races, governors and senators too close to call because that's how tight some of these races are. And it will all be about turnout. Now, maybe McConnell is overstating his concern in hopes of firing up uh, Republican voters. Uh, I don't know. Uh, of course, we all know the games that get played. But the fact that now just 38% of all voters nationally approve <laughs> of the job that Donald Trump is doing uh, that's got to... Uh, uh, these midterms are often looked at as a referendum on the incumbent president, right? It's why the party, the president's party, usually gets hit in these midterms. But this looks potentially epic. Uh... Beto O'Rourke has a lot more money on hand than Ted Cruz, even though the um, Republicans are pouring money into Cruz. And, uh, and the Republicans who can't stomach Cruz are all of a sudden working their tails off trying to make sure they keep this jerk uh, in office. But the fact that they have to throw money at Ted Cruz means the money that would have gone to shore up some other Republican somewhere else um, ain't going to be there. So we'll see. Even it turns out Republicans have a limited, I mean there is a point at which even they uh, run out of, of money. So it's political expedience that brings uh, McConnell and Cruz uh, together. Uh, but there is opportunity. I'm just saying. The polling in Texas, by the way, still show Cruz ahead uh, in s single digits. But uh, that is enough right there to freak the Republicans out. So, I don't know. I don't know. So the only thing they got going for them is, is before they go down in ruins to, de to destroy the Supreme Court uh, by getting uh, Brett Kavanaugh uh, on it. And I just want to say this about Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. I want to say this about every Republican. Um, I, I find them vile. I do. You know I do. I do. The what they support, their blind eye to this most repulsively unfit grotesquerie that heads their party. They're, I, I, I can't... Uh, mm -mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. 
anyway. It's like I can't wait for the damn hurricane to hit just so we can get it. I, it's like, can we get there so I don't have to sit here like with a nervous wreck? And can we get to this election so at least we now know where we stand? Henry writes, most polls are showing the Democrats picking up 11 state governorships. That's wonderful. And if that happens, Democrats will have 27 states and the Republicans 23. And that is, as Henry says, that would be a seismic shift. Seismic shift. Um, and Henry also says, just want to remind everyone that after Hillary lost to Trump, we all took an oath that we'd never trust another poll. <laughs> so... When the media is telling you that any race is a lock, just walk the other way. You're right, Henry. You're right. These polls, if, if we didn't learn then not to trust them, you're absolutely right. I just hope that, generally speaking, they are right now. I hope. Um... Oh, someone wants to... Mary wants a report on my dog. Sid? His name isn't Sid. His name is Blue. <laughs> His name is Blue. And um, I took Blue to Ann Arbor for Rosh Hashanah at my brother's house. And uh, my, my brother uh, has proclaimed Blue to be just about the most wonderful dog he's ever met. So there you have it. Uh, my brother's in love with my dog. And he's got a lovely dog of his own, but he just oh, fell hard for my Blue. Uh, he thinks Blue's about the ugliest dog he ever saw. <laughs> but he came around to saying, he's so ugly, he's cute. And so now he sees cute where he saw ugly. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my dog is wonderful. He is just, I mean, he's still a rambunctious puppy. I am today a little nervous because I did not crate him when I left the house um, and so I'll be tearing out of here afterwards in hopes of finding my house in one piece but he's been better and better and better about that stuff and just getting better by the minute so just the sweetest little animal and I, I want to I almost want to get him a playmate because one of the things I saw when we visited my brothers is he is indefatigable. And he so wore out my brother's dog. I mean, all he wants to do is play 24 hours a day. And he does not wear out. There's so much energy in that little body and so much joy. And that's the good news. He's also got me up, you know. I mean, I'm a very sedentary soul, and one of the reasons I decided to get a dog was uh, studies show that if you have a dog, you, it adds years to your life, or at least a month or two. I don't know. It gets you up. It gets you exercised. Where uh, no dog in the house, I'd sit there and read and maybe watch a movie or blah, blah, blah. With him there, I'm forced to either play tug-of-war or, you know, I, I have to move, get up, uh, walk. So he's definitely already got me exercising more, and uh, it's not my natural 
It's not what I choose to do. But, uh, yeah. So that's turned out to be a good thing. And thanks for asking. Uh, yeah. Okay, what else do I have here? Anything? Uh, oh, yeah, the uh, story that uh, uh, Rachel Maddow broke last night. I, I, didn't, I didn't see her show, but uh, she had, um, she's got the documentation and uh, other, other networks are picking up on it today that Trump had money, essentially $10 million, taken from hurricane relief fund and given to ICE so they could deport and detain and I suppose separate more desperate people. He took money meant for exactly what we're going to see in the next two days for hurricane relief and gave it to ICE, from FEMA to ICE, which, you know, in many ways is not surprising. Of course, this is this, is this evil, awful human being. Every impulse he has is destructive. And um, there was an effort, of course, to push back on Maddow from the Department of Homeland Security saying, no, 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 this money is not from, no, 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 it's from some other funds. And then she had the paperwork showing that they were lying. So you're heading into hurricane season. <laughs> Only this unfit, another instance of this administration would say, hey, hurricane season's coming. Let's bleed off $10 million for that. And so we can, uh, so we can terrorize some more um, brown people. Can we do that? I'm not even going to go to Trump's uh, statement yesterday that uh, Puerto Rico was an unsung success. Try to imagine another president, any president, the worst president before this one that you can think of, having the gall to pronounce a disaster in which 3,000 Americans died as a success. Try to imagine that. We have a caller. Hello. 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 Can, can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Is that Clarence? Yes, it is. Hi. Hi. I don't know if you brought this up, because uh, normally I can hear your show while I'm on the phone, but I couldn't hear it, and I had you muted. So, But um, that $10 million, 
that he uh, gave to ICE came from, let's think about this, Puerto Rico. It, it so came... So brown people, so he could dismiss brown people. Uh, it, they know it came from the, what, Puerto Rico? I don't recovery? know if it came from Puerto Rico, but they really didn't give much to Puerto Rico, you know, yeah. for hurricane relief. Oh, right, right, about it. right, yeah. right. So, yeah, that's like a, a double hit on Trump's side. Although he's trying to claim that they did a great job in Puerto Rico, which is just hilarious. I mean, it's, not, it's one word for it. I mean, it's just beyond belief. Those people are still suffering. And you can hear me. I'm giving up because I can't hear you. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. All right. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Excuse me while I just say, Fuck! I'm sorry. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, the powers that be said they fixed it. They fixed it good. Okay, I, I, I guess don't even bother calling. Because it ain't working. If I appear annoyed, uh, yes, that is true. Okay, I, I, I just want to uh, tell you a, a story. Oh, Brooke, let me get this in. You know, one of the things that uh, Republicans uh, do to try to keep people from voting is they somehow expunge your voter registration. Um, it, you go to the polls. Let's say you haven't voted in the last few elections. You go to the polls to vote, and you ain't, you ain't registered anymore. They've taken you off. Uh, everybody, and you tell this to people, needs to check to see if they're still on their on the voting roll. Now this is just for Pennsylvania that there's a website. Votes PA, V-O-T-E-S, votespa dot com. Okay? You should be able to look yourself up and make sure you're there. And if you are not registered for some reason, you can use that same site, Votes PA, to register. Okay? You've got time's running out for that. Uh, the When is the last day? Well, it's over. Because it says right here, 10... Oh, 10 or 9. Okay, you've got uh, less than a month. Uh, October 9th is the last day that you can register. But please uh, have your, uh, you know, anyone in your orbit that may in fact think they're registered but aren't, please, votespa.com. Thank you, Brooke. That's very helpful. I want to, I saw a story recently which sort of scared the crap out of me and I didn't want to, I don't know. I didn't see anybody else talking about it. I didn't see it ever talked about again. And it's been sort of moldering in the bottom of my this my satchel. But I, I want to share it with you right now, first of all, because I find I have a little time and uh, because our the phones aren't working. I don't, don't try to call. It's just not happening. Um, it turns out that there is a bird flu. Remember H1N1? 
Uh, this one, we've moved up considerably. So this one, H7, nine, N9, H7N9. Uh, it is a very dangerous virus. Uh, that's it's the name that it's, you know, that the researchers uh, have dubbed it. And it is in China. It's not over here yet. China's been dealing with it, but they have refused to share any information about it with the United States, with the World Health Organization, which in fact is flouting rules, universal rules, that if you've got some kind of a deadly virus, you've got to let people know, you've got to ship samples to other laboratories so that vaccines can be developed. Um, for over a year, the Chinese have withheld, even though we have asked, samples of what we believe is a rapidly evolving influenza virus. And here's the scary part. Experts concur that the next global pandemic will most likely come from the flu and some mutated virus that we call flu and one of the candidates is H7N9, the virus that the Chinese are keeping secret. It took root in China, as far as we know, in 2013. It has spread through poultry farms. And it has evolved, as far as we know, into a highly deadly strain that can infect humans. And here's the scary part. At this point, it kills 40% of its victims. If this strain were to become highly contagious among humans... All of the seasonal flu vaccines that we have here that you're going to get soon, I hope, would provide absolutely no protection to this. It says right here, Americans have virtually no immunity. And, and, I, and it says pandemic influenza spreads faster than anything else. Okay, so everybody is saying to China, hey, guys, can we see this thing so we can start working on it, seeing uh, what vaccine we could maybe... Uh, but, listen to this. China, first of all, is saying, no, we got it under control here. There's no reason. Go away. They, they are refusing. And I got something scarier. To, you see why I, I read this and then I just sort of let it go because it's one of those things that's so scary you think, oh, no, it can't really be like that. I'll just forget about it. But listen. The recent trade tensions between China and the United States 
brought to us by, of course, one Donald Trump, uh, could really exacerbate this problem. The Office of the United States Trade Representative issued uh, a list of possible tariff targets that we will put on Chinese goods. And guess what some of them are? Pharmaceutical products, such as vaccines, medicines, and medical devices. And so if you talk to a scientist, scientists say, what the hell are these idiots doing? They think these, these people in commerce, in the commerce department, that are, let's get these tariffs going, these tariff officials in both China and in the United States, they view these viral samples and vaccines as just another commodity. And they might not even get that this is not just a commodity, it is something that plays a vital role in actual global security and global health. The guy who oversaw biological defense at the Pentagon during the last administration said this, says this, countries don't own their viral samples any more than they own the birds in their skies. And given that this flu virus is a potential threat to humanity, not sharing it immediately with a global network of the World Health Organization laboratories like our CDC is beyond scandalous. Many could die needlessly if China keeps denying international access to these samples. China's done this kind of crap before in 2002. That's where SARS came from. Remember SARS, severe, stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome? They sat on the fact that they had a SARS outbreak. They didn't want anyone to know because that also was infecting, I believe, their poultry and it was, it's money to them. They hesitated sharing these samples from infected birds with the international community, fearing that it would hit their poultry industry. All of that led to the World Health Organization uh, developing what is called the Pandemic Influenza Preparedness Framework which says if you've got a deadly virus in your country, you owe it to every other country to share that virus so that laboratories, laboratories that work with the World Health Organization can start looking for uh, potential fixes. I don't have much here to tell you other than that. I mean, this was under a headline that said, China withholds samples of avian flu virus. But this particular baby, H7N9, 
there is a fear that this one is one of those truly deadly ones that could cause it. They've been warning about the fear of a pandemic for what, the last 20, 30 years? It's not, oh no, that's not going to happen. It is going to happen. What we don't know is when. Is this, is this what it is? H7N9? Our guys haven't seen it. It's in China. So as this virus continues to evolve, authorities here, health authorities here, worry that the Chinese are just keeping everything secret. They have the government of China has refused to share clinical data from infected patients. They claim they have all but eradicated H7N9 through a vaccination program. You going to trust them? Our health people don't trust that at all. That's China again trying to safeguard their poultry industry. So here's the thing about influenza and why you recall there being a virus H1N1. Well, since H1N1, there have been others, probably H2N2, H3N6. This is where we are now, H7N9, but our people don't have it. They don't have a sample. They can't even begin to work on a vaccine. And so we are totally unprotected if this particular virus does what some fear it could. One thing we do know about influenza viruses, what do we know? They evolve. That's why some flu vaccines work every year. You know, oh, they thought they were going to be dealing with this one, but oops, it turned a little corner here and evolved a little bit. And now the vaccine you got, like last year's vaccine was next to useless, the vaccine didn't work. Flu always kills some people, but when I saw 40% death rate, as far as we know, from this baby, and we don't even have our hands on it. Um, if there weren't enough reasons for you to have sleepless nights, it seems to me that's a... Is that not a big story, or am I... And the fact that our news media can only pay attention to... You cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, can't, you know, talk about Trump's latest tweet and something like this. Can't inform people about that. Now, I can't do the hurricane and Brett Kavanaugh and Donald Trump's latest tweets. I'm sorry. What is a 24-7 news operation to do? You want us to get to this? <laughs> so, just saying. Uh, I think this program today could go down in history as one of the most depressing Lynn Cullen shows on record. And I'm sorry about that. What? We started with me saying I think Homo sapiens is the most vile creation of any creator and a big, big mistake. And now this. But I ask you, 
isn't this evidence of what I said at the beginning? Okay, well, let's go home and I'll wait for Florence. All right, I'm just glad we're here. I feel for the people that are down there, especially people with few resources, especially brown people with few resources, given this is Donald Trump's FEMA. All righty, guys, that's it for me. I'm going back to see if the dog ate my house. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.